0: Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast that dons the double-denim and snake-bitten mullet and delivers a blistering roundhouse kick to the face of commonly held movie opinion by looking for forgotten gems in the Mardi Gras graveyard of cinema. I'm Rob and here is Simon. How are you, mates? (laughs) Mardi Gras Graveyard Mardi Gras Graveyard (laughs) (laughs) still very difficult to say that without going into the the voice of the Muscles from Brussels Um. Brussels. (laughs) but you doing okay? I'm good man, I'm good, how are you? really good really excited Uh, we are missing a James today James sends his uh, utmost um, apologies because we're bending the rules a bit today uh, with our schedule because we have a special guest with us all the way from the west coast of America Um, it's none other than the long-standing editor of the VHS series with 48 credits to his name and now supervising editor on the recent franchise instalment VHS 99 it's none other than Tom
1: Newell how are you Tom? I'm good I'm good I'm especially good after that introduction. uh, (laughs) Murray, Greg, Greg, Grave, and Double Denim. That was pretty great.
0: (laughs) Well, this is, I mean, one of the reasons I think uh, we might have, (laughs) it sounds quite romantic, caught each other's eye, Tom, is
1: because you are a Van Damme fan, right? I am. I list, I I think on my resume, Jean-Claude Van Damme aficionado. Hasn't gotten me any gigs yet, but we'll see. <laughs> I'll keep, I'll keep shouting about you, man. That, that right. we have an
0: aficionado here. Um, what is your favourite Van Damme
1: movie? Honestly, it's a basic answer, but Bloodsport, man. Yes yeah. is top tier. You can't go wrong, can you really? Yeah. And, and
0: what is yeah. it? Do you think, I love how we're not actually talking about anything serious. It's just Van Damme. What is it about Van Damme? Do you think is enduring? I mean, I, I love his movies. I love the guy. There's something about those movies that, that make me think of like late night, you know, making sure everyone was in bed and pressing play on the VHS quite suitably. Yeah. It's that kind of like, sh- I should not be watching this,
1: you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was definitely the age we looked probably a similar age where it was like sort of probably off limits, but. In the same vein, I think comparing him to his contemporaries, specifically his like Hollywood contemporaries, you know, they all had shticks. Like the obvious example to go to opposite Van Dam is Seagal and his was like the mean guy. Yes. And that shtick hasn't aged as well. I still love those movies, but it hasn't aged as well. But Van Dam, that shtick of being just like the, the boy next door who's like a really good husband and a really good father and he yes. just happens to kick ass. That has aged like a fine wine and it makes it so rewatchable. Oh, my
0: God. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. So <laughs> si, do, do you have um, a favourite Van Damme movie of your own? Because we've brought quite a few to the podcast now. <laughs> we have. I, I was surprised
2: how, well I en- how much I enjoyed Time Cop when oh, I watched yes, that because so I hadn't good. seen that for so long. And Time Cop is ace. And he's that, like, obviously the VFX and stuff has aged not very well, but the rest of it is great. It's still such a good it's idea. It's legit brilliant, that movie. And he's, and he's really yeah. good at it as well. <laughs> they played the the, two, the two-era the two Van Damme is really good. Oh, um, Max Walker. Yeah, Time Cop is Time <laughs> great. But, yeah, but Blood Bloodsport's on in our local cinema in a few weeks no it's um, like a van damme day isn't there i think it's hard target and blood sport i'm not sure what the other one is um but yeah it's like a triple bill of van damme i'm jealous which of course we've got to go and see that we've got to squeeze it <laughs> into the schedule surely yeah we
0: really have to so uh, yeah for context tom size and editor down in london um and i'm uh, an author up here so um all involved in the storytelling biz uh, around the table here, which is so cool, but your career um, looking through IMDB at all you know all the stuff that you've been involved with i mean was was filmmaking always something you wanted to be involved with
1: yeah yeah i had uh, I had like the traditional path in, in what I wanted to do as a kid in that I wanted to be a famous actor who doesn't right <laughs> so I did all the school plays and all the stuff I, I was doing short films on the side in high school and college, um, but ultimately I had like a really severely ugly teenage years like I just you know aging was not going gracefully for me and I realized quite quite quickly that I was not going to be getting the roles that I wanted I was you know doing the doing the plays and stuff and I was good enough to be getting the leads but I was not getting them and yeah you know we all have our awkward phases and mine lasted a few years and it was like right when we're deciding okay what am I going to go to school for and what am I going to do with my life and I was like well I still want to make movies but I, I can't be in front of the camera so I had uh, I really had an epiphany. It's also a very, very basic of me, but I watched Pulp Fiction when I was 15 and it just like it just inspired me to understand that movies could be more than what I had always thought they could be. And uh I just started researching how it was made and stuff. You know, it would have been the for me at least the beginnings of IMDB and stuff. And uh editing seemed like a way to get to directing and that's how I fell into this particular part of the industry
0: that's amazing um cool. i love
1: that that um
0: because pulp fiction is such a formative cornerstone for so many people isn't it you know mm-hmm. um and it's it like you say it's sort of like an accessible it's, it's accessible to all you know that uh, and it's amazing what point in people's love of film that that movie occupies
2: it was a real shift in cinema in general it was, wasn't it man yeah it, it kind of changed the whole scope and landscape of filmmaking yeah. in general because um, especially at Reservoir Dogs, before that was like, I mean, obviously there was budget and there was people attached to it, but it was like, holy shit, anyone can do this, can't they? You know, we really can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I guess Tarantino had that as well, because he wanted to be an actor as well. Didn't he, he did, yeah, know, yeah. yeah.
0: He still manages to get away with it from time to time. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. Know, yeah, him. yeah. But at that, um, I-, I love that that moment where it's like whoa so you can do this with movies mm-hmm. you know It totally busting up the norms and it also shows that story is absolutely paramount all the time isn't it you know like as long as you have good story a lot of other things can be forgiven
1: yeah i actually it's really popular for people to talk about oh my script is, is about characters and i understand that and yes good characters are great but i'm telling you man you can give me the best characters opening a jar i'm not going to watch that movie I want a story that gets me. (laughs) And there are a lot of good stories, man. And Execution Matters, like I just rewatched Avatar in theaters. Uh, It's a fine story. It's not a great story, but it's a good story. Uh, The characters are very stock. Uh, I love James Cameron, but a lot of times he deals with stock characters. I think that's part of why his films are so accessible. But uh, you just give me, it was a good story, uh, good enough at least, partnered with incredible execution and I'm just in the theater being like, well, this is the best movie I've seen this year. And it's 12 years old. So uh, yeah. yeah. How cool is that?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. We, we, we talk about this a lot, like on the the films we cover as well, where nowadays, I don't know if it's the same in America, but particularly over in England, you, you get sort of film criticism and it's it, it's mainly looks at dialogue and character. And it completely forgets about the film the actual filmmaking side of it so a film can be the craft can be amazing you can look at something and maybe you can see those things a bit more obvious because you're in the industry or you've studied it you know studied filmmaking or whatever so you can kind of see those bits and where the joins are and things like that but that appreciation for the actual craft seems to go out the window a lot these days and it's like avatars rubbish because it's just pocahontas in in this different planet it's like yeah but it looks fucking amazing (laughs) no one has made a film look this good so like you yeah it's like an equal equal split like i i think people it's too easy to just dismiss the actual craft of it and i think that's why these the, the film we're going to talk about today and the films you've sort of been working on that's why they're so impressive because the budgets are generally relatively low and it is pure filmmaking isn't it it's pure let's how can we make this guy's belly just suddenly explode <laughs> and intestines
0: yeah. go everywhere? And then they figure out how to do that. and That's like brilliant to see. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's like, there were so many moments like watching uh, VHS2 today where I'm like, I have no idea how that was done. I don't know, you know. So I've got so many questions about that. Tom, if that's okay. Like, I'll only like, a few like, answers, I only have Don't worry. I won't spoil everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh well, we usually give an alert, you know. Like if if people haven't watched it, we'll say, "Well, we'll do it now." If you haven't watched VHS, two listeners, go and watch it right now. Uh, over here in the UK, you can get it on Shudder um, at the moment, which um has all the VHS movies on it. Um, all of so them. Yeah, fill your boots yeah. with this absolute smorgasbord of. Awesome, Icky, <laughs> which is so cool. Um, so what was your your first industry gig then,
1: Tom? Technically, I worked one day on a film called Haywire by Steven Soderbergh, but I was uncredited. I was a, a it's a locations PA, so basically all I did was I sat outside of a house and I took pictures of it all day as the sun hit it at different times, and then I went over to an office and I gave them the photos, and they gave me a day rate, and the guy who I I had never met this guy before. I was put in touch with him over the phone. He got the photos. He gave me the money for the day. He could tell that I was extremely poor. And uh, he was like, did you eat lunch today? And I was like, no. And then he just like handed me 25 bucks on top of it. Uh, And he was just like, go get food, kid. And so (laughs) that was my first. That was my first gig. But um, my my next my first real movie, my first time I worked on a film as a credited position was a film called Your Next, which came out. We did it in 2011, but I think it came out in 2012. Uh, Home invasion horror film uh, directed by Adam Wingard and written by Simon Barrett, which is, of course, how I got into the VHS films.
0: Of course, yeah, because both of those um, names are sort of t- um, pivotal in the, v- the the kicking off the VHS franchise.
1: Absolutely. I forget all the credits, but I think they're, they're part of the creation of that first film uh, before even other filmmakers yeah. might have been brought on yeah. or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Were you living in L.A. at the time? Were you in L.A. or did you move to L.A.?
1: Yeah, I moved to L.A. with a few buddies from college. We just caravanned out here uh, sort of blind. And over that first year, I think every month I had a different roommate scenario because one person might leave, another person might come out. And uh, I mean, I guess there's probably a statute of limitations. But we ultimately got to we got to six people in a two bedroom apartment, which is illegal in the state of California. (laughs) I say six people. It was six dudes. So you can imagine what it was like. <laughs> yeah, we all uh lived in student accommodation over here, didn't we, Sai? So yeah, yeah, yeah I, can, I I hear I
0: can
2: almost smell it, to be
0: honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rich. <laughs> um What well, so you literally did the thing that you know we we read about over here, like you went off to make movies. You went to LA With the purpose of being involved in the movie industry, you're the first person I've spoken to who's who's done that. (laughs) I'm like, I'm bowled over. Like, and I imagine, did you live? I imagine you lived and breathed each other's successes and, you know, high points and low points during that period. We
1: do. I mean, your friends—it's a—it's a—it's a part of the industry. You get really excited for your friends. There's a part that maybe people don't talk about, where there's also sometimes a a melancholy when your friends get success and you don't. And yeah. um, I think we all know whenever we get in onto onto something, like if I'll get onto something that I'm very excited about and I'm telling it to my friends, I can also tell that maybe one or two of them is feeling a little down in their career. Cause they're on a, they're on a hiatus or something, you know, it's, it's a, we, it's a weird experience. I think actually, if you want to know what it's like, if you ever watched the film, don't Think Twice by Mike Birbiglia, which starred uh, Keegan-Michael Key and a number of other comedians who have become more famous. It's it's a film about not Saturday Night Live. It's a They have a fake name for it, but basically a comedy troupe in LA, two, uh, two of the group get selected for Saturday Night Live. So they get their brush with fame. Everybody else is left behind. And how does that interaction occur? And it's very funny, but it's also like one of the truest movies I've ever seen about like the LA Hollywood experience. It's not about filmmaking. It's about what it's like to have friends in that industry and um yeah not to be super down about it too because we also celebrate like we're whenever somebody gets like some big gig and it's like oh my gosh oh, yeah, you, you yeah. finally moved into your own apartment instead of living with three other people and you're 30 congratulations <laughs> like let's all go grab dinner together and celebrate you right so there's definitely a lot of fun with that too
0: that's so so cool man. you know because this is you know the kind of stuff we talk about at film school isn't it so you know in sheffield like, wouldn't it be amazing to go out to LA and and give it a whirl, you know, that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been lucky enough to go out a couple of times with work. I, I work in advertising, so it's, it's, it's 10 times more boring. But I've been lucky enough to, like, go out to LA a, a couple of times. And it's it just got, it has got a vibe, hasn't it, at the city. And it's just amazing to be out there, particularly in the filmmaking industries and stuff like that. And it, you just see it more around than anywhere else in 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 certainly in the in the west like the more more people you speak to the the chances are they're involved in film in some way or the aspirations to be involved in film are like more so than anywhere else
1: yeah
2: and yeah i, I just love that like how you're all just in with your mates and all just that in it together and it's so cool, yeah. Um, stuff like. imagine if we did that after uni, Rob. instead oh, of man. We just got drunk at university and well, then finished I, and we're, I, like, we're done now. Are we filmmakers yeah. now?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it doesn't
2: doesn't work like that. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'd have ended
0: up with a wife and three quid three three quids, three kids quite so quickly. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. No, I probably would have. <laughs> um Which part of filmmaking is the one that I know that we talked about acting, but do you like what is the the ultimate goal for Tom Newell? Like, what do you really hope
1: aim for one day? Sure. Yeah. It's always been the path. Uh, w- well, when it wasn't acting, uh, but basically once Pulp Fiction got into my brain, it's always been the path towards directing. And I'm very pragmatic in my approaches. So a lot of people just go out and try to make something. And, you know, I do. I literally know people who have made films for under five grand who are now helming Hollywood features. I mean, that is actually, I don't know all the details of the story, but that's Adam Wingard's story. That's how he started. And he, he's a very much like just a go-getter. But I'm not that way. I need more security. So I was always looking, well, how do you have a job and then be, get to do this? And the clear path is to have a job in the industry. Okay, well, what jobs get promoted to director? Writers are often promoted as well as producers. Those are both almost just as difficult to become as directors. So it's like, if directing is the goal, I was looking for a job that was effectively, quote unquote, easier to get into so that I could work my way up. And and editors, I have a, I have a as you can tell from my, my IMDb, I have a big interest in horror. Editors, and especially genre editors, they make their way up all the time james cameron was an editor first joe dante was an editor first there the the list goes on and on if we're going to go to james to james bond john glenn was an editor first i was just gonna yeah. say john glenn yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and yeah you you it, it's a longer path 100 percent. like i'm not i'm not going to be directing uh paid directing let's say anytime soon i direct a lot of my own short films because uh, i just have i have the plug and i have to do it but uh it's all about getting into directing. So so right now I'm in the editor's chair and I did not actually go to film school. I got a degree in counseling and psychotherapy of all things. Wow, man. But what editing has provided me has provided me my film school because my job is to, a lot of people joke about editors. We sit in, as you can see, I'm in a dark room. This is my home office. Uh, we sit in dark rooms by ourselves all day. But for me, yes, that's a lot of it. But then I spend most of my time sitting in dark rooms with directors and producers trying to solve the problems that, arose throughout production and to, you know, get everything made, like, and put together in a way that other, I spend more time on a movie than many other positions, certainly not all, but, you know, editors are on a film for much longer than most of the people who are part of production. Uh, So this is, it's, this is my film school and this is my uh, training as it were. And I also don't want to be famous. uh, uh, That's sometimes... People are like, "What?" Uh, But uh, I'm I'm very interested in even uh, getting into television directing one day. So again, another pathway where editors are promoted quite often into directing once they've got you know a number of credits and years under their belt. So that's that's it. That's the strategy, and uh, it's a little slow, but it's a it's a tortoise versus hare kind of thing. And the route of the hare works for a lot of people, and it doesn't work for a lot of people. And the route of the tortoise will work for some, and not for others. So. This is what I've chosen, Uh and I'll, I'll, you know, check back with me in about fifteen years to see if I'm uh, okay with the choices I made today.
2: <laughs> how many, how many shots of it? Because I guess the sort of pandemic thing may have put put the brakes on it a little bit. But have you seen since that's now sort of opened up and everything? The world's opened up. Have you have you been sort of working on anything recently, like in terms of directing, or is it still back on the edit thing, or is it a mix of both?
1: I've been really lucky to stay employed for almost all the pandemic editing went remote right away so that was like it really was a blessing um as far as the, the path that i chose but i did direct two shorts in the pandemic and quarantine with my family amazing which are both shorts i'm very proud of one was called cursed beer glass uh which of all things was playing in ubers this october for halloween who <laughs> here that had tvs in the back they they had selected 13 horror shorts to play and there was cursed beer glass and uh, it's like i don't know two or three minutes uh, i can i can shoot you the link in a dm after this uh i'd love to uh, can we shout about it as well can we share it online oh absolutely stuff? no it's public it's out there uh it just start it's my family that stars me oh, and my father-in-law he had he was he, he's retired but he's a professional <laughs> photographer so this is his first time being a director of photography and video and uh my wife produced it and was just moving the lights and dressing the sets of course the sets being the kitchen uh and uh yeah it was just about a, it was about a cursed beer glass it's like three minutes long it's ridiculous and i love it
0: Super. unbelievably cool. and then i
1: did i did one as well with him he called drone shot in at his house about just oh, a, a guy who discovers a dead body with with a drone camera he's flying through a forest. They live in the mountains so um so I did those uh and I was really really proud of those and uh you know they both racked up you know a good one hundred and fifty views on on the internet uh <laughs> after being rejected from every festival I submitted them to but that's that's just thems the breaks right but I'm working on actually uh, the comic I was telling you about that started as a short film. Mm. We adapted it into a comic to to just make it. And uh, I've now readapted it into a screenplay with some new elements. And that's my next, my next one up. So I'm hoping that one will, will take more time, more effort, more money than maybe any short I've ever made. But um, you know, it's probably time for me to make my quote unquote thesis film that is a bit bigger than these sort of weekend shoots of my friends, you know.
0: This is so good, man. Um, could you uh, say si, if you're not aware of the n- title of the comic, um, Tom? Would you mind tell- telling Simon the uh, the name of it, please?
1: Sure. The comic is called Full Moon Glory Hall. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice.
0: <laughs> Think about the elements and- of that, and oh my word, you'll be happy. <laughs> it's yeah. so good um but um is there anything is there anything you've seen recently tom that you'd like to you know a movie that you've seen either at the at the cinema or on at home that you would like to to champion
1: Mm, probably (laughs) i knew that this question would come up (laughs) um so i'm trying to think i've actually because of halloween and whatnot i uh i've been actually watching a lot of Older stuff and a lot of uh well, TV, Netflix TV. I've been watching Midnight Club and Cabinet of Curiosities. But um mm. a movie that strangely just got me this month. I had a bunch of friends come over and we and we watched and I had never seen it before. Uh so it's not new, but I'm sure this still works, was Valentine. It's like from two thousand and two. It's one of those like B tier yes. slasher ripoffs. I know it. Yes. Man, what a blast. What a great movie! So much fun. <laughs> yes, so much fun. This, this, that is so, so in fitting with what we talk about on this
0: podcast. It's like forgotten, like fun gems because we, we constantly bemoan, don't we, side the lack of, you know, love that genre cinema gets. Like, why? If it's your jam, it's your jam. Just love it.
2: That's like the. That's the one from like the early note. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I David Borneaz is, uh, is like the lead. Um, of course, he's only on set for like two weeks, so they have to shoot around him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so cool, so, si, What about you? Have you watched
1: anything recently?
2: Oh my god, I have watched. Um, oh god, I've, I've watched so much stuff, especially since we last spoke. Um, but to keep it in in the sort of horror world, like you know, with it being Halloween and lead up to Halloween, just sort of really smashed a lot of horror films and sort of taking recommendations from here, there, and everywhere. What were some highlights? I went to see Barbarian at the cinema Mm -hmm. a couple of days ago, which is really good. Um, don't really want to say anything about it because it's one of those films that, you know, you have to go in cold to get the best out of it, which I think that applies to all films, really. But, um, yeah, particularly in this case, you don't try not to see anything about it and you'll, it's a really, really good, really, really good watch in, especially in the cinema. And then uh, I've also, enjoyed watching um Ty West's filmography I've been sort of going through that from the beginning um I think Ty West did one of the segments on the first VHS film he did yeah and then I've been watching a few of his his films that the house of the devil being the standout for me that's absolutely brilliant like one of those films where nothing happens for ages but then it just goes off the <laughs> yeah. <and> it's just <laughs> absolutely brilliant um and then there was another one I watched uh called Hell House LLC. I don't oh, know. Oh, you mentioned long, this.
1: Long. I watched that last year for the first time. <laughs>
2: Ooh. Uh, I, I, I watched on the recommendation of uh, one of our listeners, Scott, um, Scott Jenkins. Cheers, Scott. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mince my words here. It scared the living piss out of me. So <laughs> I was just, hand, you know, watching it through my fingers. And stuff. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, thanks for that, Scott. Um, you bastard. Uh, no, it's uh, it's really, really good. It's really, really good fan footage from, yeah. um, as effective as Blair Witch, I'd say, in terms of the scares and and how they frame it around all the you know all the cameras, and it's a really good premise with this like haunted house experience, and then all that's mixed into this like fake documentary like Ghost Watch. I, I don't know if you've heard of Ghost
1: Watch, Tom. Oh, well, I have because I'm a horror guy. Well, of course,
2: yeah. <laughs> the, well, of course, you, yeah. So it, it's got that kind of is this real thing, thing going yeah. on? So it's just a, yeah, a really good framing of it. Um, so yeah, that I definitely recommend that Hell House. It's, it's excellent.
0: Because you, you saw um, Lake Mungo as well, didn't you? I,
2: I haven't finished Lake Mungo. I turned it off because I was that scared. Um, <laughs> I was that freaked out by it. I watched it really late at night and that just really freaked me out because that did, I wasn't aware it was a mockumentary. And I was like, oh, it's a documentary. Oh, this must be. And then I was like, don't recognize any of the people in it. It felt real. The way they'd done it, it felt really real. Because with, with the Hell House one, for instance, when it goes to the news and stuff, you can tell it's like, oh, they've just shot this and then put some stock news chirons on the bottom or whatever, and you can kind of yeah. tell. Whereas like Mungo, it was like, that was actually pulled from a news program from 10 oh, years heck. ago. That's how it looks. That's how good it looks.
0: So I need to finish that because I was just too scared. <laughs> I, to that I, re- I really want to, really yeah, yeah, I really want to get into these. Um, f- for myself, I watched, um, I watched the first episode of Yellowstone um, this week, which I really liked. It was really fun. I
1: like Yellowstone.
0: Yes, yeah, good show. Yeah. Um, but that opening, I, I wasn't prepared for Costner and the horse at the very beginning yeah. of that um, episode. Was not ready because um, that's kind of a horror scene <laughs> at that moment.
1: Oh, don't worry. This show gets. Much, much worse, <laughs> oh really, oh, my God, right, amazing, oh
0: yeah, <laughs> oh seriously, oh gosh, um cool, well, um, it's at this point in the episode, actually, we usually go to Sasquatch Corner, don't we, si,
2: oh, yeah, have you got any updates in in the in the world of um
0: Bigfoot, Rob? well, I will tell you, I will tell you, um what happened here, Tom, is that I talked about Bigfoot so much and bringing so many bigfoot um <laughs> Anecdote. Big, Bigfoot <laughs> anecdotes and films to the podcast that, that uh, the lads have given me, Sasquatch Corner, where I update them on oh, wow. the latest news from the world of Bigfoot. Um, so, would you mind, Tom, and Simon, as always, coming with me on a trip to <laughs> Bigfoot Corner?
2: I can't believe we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bigfoot
1: Corner. So, Tom, have you ever seen Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> that Not a question I was expecting to answer today. <laughs> uh, not, not yet. How's that sound? That sounds
0: cool. That sounds cool. Um, because we're That's we're funny. big fans of the Big Brown Machine. Well, you well, are. I'm Rob, a big fan are. of <laughs> 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 Um, so I was looking for some new news to share. Um, and it and. Yeah it turns out they still haven't found him, um, still haven't proved he's real. <laughs> so um, I was looking for other news related to it and it turns out that yesterday on Halloween um, if you logged into um GTA Online you got a free uh, Sasquatch costume for your character to wear um, and that is all from the world of Bigfoot this week. Cheer. <laughs> Roll the jingle. <laughs>
1: Bigfoot corner.
0: Dry week. They, it's uh... a dry week for Bigfoot. <laughs> So should we go into this week's movie, which I've got to be honest, say si, we've never done this with someone who was integral in the movie's making present. Yeah. <laughs> so there's quite a degree of nerves here. But the movie this week, well, let's give you a log line. A pair of private detectives go looking for a missing student only to find an empty house where there appears to be a viewing area for VHS tapes. One of them gives the building a search, while the other sees what's on those cassettes, and gets so much more than she bargained for. Of course, it's 2013's VHS-2. So what's the deal now? Does
1: this woman thinks her son is missing?
0: Doesn't look
2: like anyone's home. Here, look at this. These tapes only affect you if you play it at a correct sequence. Ah! <laughs>
0: So I guess the question is, why did I pick it? Um, I love found footage movies, absolutely love them. And then when um, I saw the first VHS, I loved the whole um, menu style of it, you know, that you could, you could gorge on all sorts of different kind of flavours of found footage that it, it sort of ticked so many great boxes for me and really exciting boxes and then obviously vhs2 came out i was a glutton for more and then they had a segment in it that taps into my deepest childhood fear which is alien abduction (laughs) and my trousers are forever destroyed um so uh, si can i ask about your relationship with vhs and vhs2
2: i sort of mentioned my sort of you know in in terms of me and horror films i don't really do too well with them because i'm so wet <laughs> um but i had seen the first one and i remember really enjoying the first one and being really freaked out by it as a lot of found footage films do with me but in in terms of like all oh, the sequels on that i, ha- I hadn't actually uh, actually caught the sequels i could never pluck up the courage to go back into that world so yeah this was a, a first watch for me and yes most of it was from behind a cushion as well <laughs> several change of trousers um, <laughs> no, um, but but yeah uh it was a, it was a it was a good one to watch. I, I got the um, yeah they're all on Shudder as you mentioned, Rob. So I'm gonna yeah. I, I watched the first one last week. Watched the second one yesterday for this, and then I'm gonna go off and finish the rest of them because it's a good idea. It's a really solid idea, and, and as you say, it, it's it's just a little smorgasbord of different different ways to do horror. Um, and and different horror stories, and I like how it's all nicely packaged in one in one sit down film. It's just a showcase for shorts, really, isn't it? With a thread of of that narrative and the the, the yeah. backbone narrative, which sort of they're linked in the first two. Um, you know, it certainly seems that way, and I, I'm I'm sure it'll uh, further expand on that in the sequels. But yeah,
0: first watch for me, nice, Great. nice. Um, Great. I've always wanted to ask someone who's actually been involved with the film in question. I'm gonna clear my throat for it. Tom, what is your relationship with VHS (laughs) 2?
1: So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it in the little intro, but I'm the supervising editor of the latest entries, 99, and we are currently working on 85, which will come out next year. Mm. Yeah, we have David Bruckner returning from the first VHS film directing. He's been producing uh, alongside our team. And uh, our uh, Scott Derrickson is going to be on it, uh, as well as Gigi Saul Guerrero, um, uh, Natasha Kermani, and oh, now I'm going to be a jerk and not remember the last person. Um, It's uh, Mike Nelson. Uh, So we, uh, so we're, we're, you know, in the throes of that at the moment. uh, But of course, 99 is it's post-titled. 99 is out and it it exists. Uh, I worked on 94 as an editor as well. Um, generally a similar position that I have as a supervising editor because the films have sort of transitioned in the way that we make them. Um, But the supervising uh, title is new. And then on VHS two is when I started with the franchise. So that's about 10 years ago now. And I was the second AD on both Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett segments. And I was an additional editor. Uh, So I just um, basically Simon had Adam edited Simon's segment with another editor. Before the other editor could start, uh, he had he had another gig that didn't line up. Uh, they brought me in for a week because uh, we had just finished Year Next together, and uh, I just spent a few days with them um, getting that Simon segment uh, started. Uh, at which point, I handed off to to the other person whose name I don't remember because I only met him once. I'm so sorry.
0: So holy, <laughs> heck, you were you were on on set for some of this stuff, then?
1: Yeah. So for VHS two, so while I'm an editor, I did I I used to be a grip, which is the People who like shaped the lights on set. I was also an AD for a couple of years, an assistant director. Um, so, uh, so yeah, VHS 2 was was part of that journey for me. Um, so, yeah, I was on the set for Adam's segment, the the eye, and then for Simon's segment, which is the wraparound.
0: Yeah. What are your memories of the shoot? Just like, uh, we'll, uh, we'll start with the shoot. What are any particular memories of the shoot? I mean, well, actually, how do they construct? A VHS movie. How does a VHS movie get get constructed? I mean, do you do you start with the the sort of the the, the bonding segments, the glue, so mm. to speak, um, and then layer these other shoots on top
1: of that, or how does it work? Sure, back then was different than it is now. I was not a part of the first film, but I've heard stories, and the second film was was quite similar. Um, I think perhaps the budget might have been upped a little bit, but certainly not a lot. Um, these were very very small movies back in the day. And yeah, it was basically Adam and Simon and our friend Brad Miska, who is still producing the franchise. Um, I believe those are the ones. I think they're the three who are like credited with creating the concept. I could be wrong. Check IMDb just to make sure. But uh, <laughs> it was it was a, a, a it's a conversation about how can we just go do something quickly. Adam, by the time he'd done your next, I could be wrong. I think he's directed like. 10 movies at that point, um, all micro budget. And it was a part of, you know, they called it the Mumble Gore mm. movement, which was a shoot off, the horror shoot off of Mumble Core, where basically you just go shoot stuff. And uh, a, a number of these filmmakers were a part of that. Joe Swanberg was a part of that. Ty West was a part of that. Um, and so they just got their friends together to quickly do something and, and they knocked it out of the park. So let's make a sequel, right? So the sequel, um, the sequel was made in secret right after the first one came out like the first one was like doing its limited theatrical run and we were shooting the second one and uh basically the directors you you pick them uh the executive producers the creators they figure out who they're going to be working with um and i don't know their criteria for that per se but uh they get some ideas from those folks they say go with this idea that'll be cool because they don't want like two people making a vampire short like they have to be different so there's not a lot of um criticism of of the direction that the segments are going just as long as they're different from each other. And then, yeah, they just go shoot them uh, by themselves, wherever. Adam and Simon were both in LA for VHS2. So we shot it in LA and I don't remember where everyone else was, but they were not here and they just went and shot them. And back then you just shot it, you finished it, you sent a quick time to, we we finished everything in house in LA where we were posting Simon and Adam segments. And uh, we run it out through a VCR or a beta deck or whatever tape deck we can get our hands on it looks like it's real um because some segments are shot on vhs or Betacam or other tape stock and some are not and it's different on every movie how that that breaks down because it's each director's choice and then yeah that has evolved now where we have you know we have a little more to an answer for regarding like we're working with Sh- with shutter on these newest films so they're, they're the films are now made in in a slightly more cohesive fashion regarding the workflow where we shoot them together as they're being, the segments are still being written directed by their own teams, but um, they might be sharing some crew members. Um, I mean, like me, I I, I don't edit, I, I, I edit some segments, but the supervising role means that I, I liaison with the other editors as well, so that we all can work together. We're not trying to make them like cut together the same. We're not trying to make them all look the same, but we're trying to make the workflow as similar so that nobody has too many headaches on on the back end.
2: Is the like order of the The segments, is that predetermined or is that something that happens in post? Because they can kind of of slot in anywhere, really, in terms of how the film plays out. Yeah. But is that decided during post, which one makes sense to go first and which one makes sense to go last? Or is that all
1: decided beforehand? The true answer is both. So an order is decided either right before we're shooting or while we're shooting that this is how it's going to, because we have the scripts. So we do know what the stories are. And uh, those of us who are on it for a longer amount of time, read all the scripts and and we confer with each other on what we think is going to be the best. Because just by the nature of them, the directors don't really know what the other teams are doing. They'll often know the pitch. They'll know sort of the idea that another team is doing, but they don't know if it's a 25 minute segment that's a slow burn or a a seven minute segment that's just balls to the wall. Right. So that all affects the pacing. So ultimately, we usually decide on an order, then we cut it all together. And if it doesn't work, we offer ourselves the leeway to adjust. Um, and if we're going to adjust the order, at that point we do like we still then involve the directors. Like the directors don't get like kicked off. It's not like a TV show where they have their days and they're done. The directors are here for the entire time. It is a feature. So yeah, like a great example would be 99 just came out, and we had we we had decided our order, and it worked really well. But we wondered if another order could work even better. So we tried one or two different orders of the segments sent it out to the whole team and the original order was back so we just that's what it was you know this is how it goes we offer ourselves the freedom but we do yeah we make the decisions ahead of time because that's the best way to go about it i think
0: cool yeah. Unbelievably cool. <clears throat> and I can imagine it's so exciting when you get those
1: first glimpses of footage from the other shoots coming in. Oh,
2: absolutely, yeah.
1: I mean, sort of. Dailies are weird, man. Dailies almost always. The dailies are what we call like the footage that's not been cut together, right? Yeah. Man, you can have the coolest shot in the world, but it's just really boring without sound, uh, without (laughs) uh, being cut together, out of context. Like you've read the script, you're like, where does this actually fit in? What's going on? Is this what this character looks like? (laughs) Um, So yeah, you have to to look at it with a very like professional and critical eye to really appreciate the things before all the pieces have gone together, especially the sound footage, man, because we can't shoot it. Like it looks like crap. But you can't shoot it looking like crap mm. and then we have to yeah. like downgrade it and we have to cut it up so that frames are missing and all that stuff um but we can't shoot it that way because you need it all and you need to figure it out um and you need to give yourself that creative leeway so yeah when I see the dailies on segments I'm just like yeah well, I see the dailies for the ones that I cut I'm like oh man how are we gonna make this work and then <laughs> I've been really really proud of yeah. every segment I've worked out so apparently it has worked out
0: that is amazing amazing it really is the movie itself should we can we talk while we go through the movie can i ask can we ask questions as we sort of like we're not obviously we're not going to labor over it but i mean we do oh yeah yeah the movie opens with um yeah the private detectives and they're sort of busting some adulterer dude who is not good guy uh and yeah. he's with Lady, and he is unhappy, And but there's new chasing around the street and all sorts <laughs> Yeah,
2: you go. you so full peen straight away uh, <laughs> so full, full schlong
1: in yes. the opening, opening <laughs> scene. So, the adulterer is our director-writer Simon Barrett, so that is one of the creators of VHS. No. And uh, he's he's a, very, he's a very game individual. I've worked with him on a number of projects. So he did fun. not, at, the, at
0: no point did he have
1: to do this. <laughs> he, he just chose that this is the way well, forward. At what, at, at what point do any of us have to do anything? Well, you're very right. <laughs> uh, but yes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Simon. Uh, and we had a great time with that sequence. That, that hotel is also, that's the Memento Hotel, Christopher Nolan film. Oh, same it's The as same hotel. that guy pierces character yeah a lot of a lot of movies get shot there it's just a with with la it's very difficult to find locations that are affordable because everybody knows that you're filming and that hotel is still just like a family-run hotel uh in the valley so the valley is basically just on the other side of uh, one of our freeways and uh you just have to rent a room if you want to film there wow so i think we rented like two or three so that we weren't bothering the people next to us or whatever but yeah that's as simple as that so that's that's where we did
0: it Uh, it's amazing it's already this interview is all i mean it worked out the minute we started talking but this is i've already got the behind the scenes goals i really wanted (laughs) uh, and and um they've got another job on tonight they escape um the pair of investigators and uh, they've got another job on it's the job of a missing student they head round to this house um and um with you working on this segment tom i imagine that the The putting together of this particular set was quite something, you know the the array of old school tech yeah. to see to watch these VHS. I love that. It reminded me of, um, yeah, it, like an old my old dorm room. <laughs> to be honest, you know, with multiple yeah, right? old
1: screens hanging out. Yeah, yeah. We um, so that house, both the exterior and the living room interior, as well as the bathroom that they walk into. That's all just one house in Culver City. We Airbnb'd it and we shot there. And then the bedroom is actually Simon's bedroom. I don't believe he lives in that apartment anymore, but we went to another location for the bedroom because we needed more space. But the production design, if I may just call out a friend of mine, uh, the production designer on, on the wraparound as well as Adam's segment uh, with the eye uh, is Tom Hammock. And, and he's, he's gone on with Adam to on all of his features. So he did the most recent Godzilla film, but he's also did uh, he did Pearl and X by Ty West that came out this year. Super, um, And Tom is like a, he's a consummate artist. He's a, he's a hyper professional. he's also just one of like, not to brag about someone too much, but he's just one of those like nice guys in Hollywood. You oh, hear about where so just, cool. like, you got to work with Tom. He's very giving with his uh, experiences and his knowledge, especially to younger filmmakers who are trying to make their own moves and all that kind of stuff. And I think the proof is in the pudding. His work is truly phenomenal. And uh, any VHS film, especially ones that are slightly period or not, um, they're just, their production design is so integral to selling the illusion of what we're doing. And I, I really believe that like the VHS two, that house in the wraparound is like one of my favorite because the house in the first one is sort of empty. And it's cool. It's like haunted house. Like that's neat, mm. but this one had like a flavor to it that yeah. uh, felt like it really expanded on something for us. Um, and a lot of great visuals. I think uh, if I remember right, a lot of those, the shots, like the TVs in that living room were like some of the promo stills we were using even to advertise the film. So it's yeah. like, you know, it just speaks for itself that work.
0: And, and, and I mean, it speaks for itself as well, but it was like literally the first thing I mentioned when I talked about the house was like that array of, and the look of that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it, It's great. I I, I think there's something about, you know, for people of our, and I'm speaking for, I think, you know, I don't think that uh, I think I might be the oldest of the three of us guessing here at nearly 40 um, or on the cusp of 40. Don't tell anyone um, that (laughs) it's VHS, the actual concept of a VHS tape for our collective generation is really integral to our love of film in in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So to see this viewing station for all this and all these tapes it's oh it just reminds me of like you know like wanting to like let's see what's on this one let's see what's on this one let's see what's on this one and that's in a lot of ways what this movie's about you know it's like like um let's see what's going on on this tape here um which is exactly what happens and the first segment comes in they can't find hide a hair of this guy and um, but we're getting the odd look in the background of you know there's flashes of movement in the background uh there might be someone about uh certainly not as all as it seems and we go to uh, the first segment um which is called is it phase oh, what is it called phase, phase 1 cl- clinical trials the first that's one. it phase 1 clinical trials so this is
2: uh, this is adam wingard's one isn't it um yeah with the he's got an eye cuz i the 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 big difference i found between the second one and the first one was the first one was very shot very like it was like jackass it was all on like um sort of digicams and uh, you know handy cams and, and that sort of really nauseating handheld stuff whereas this one kinds of is, is an advance in the sense that it's more gopros and mm-hmm. helmet cams and dash cams and and then in this one in the clinical trial it's, it's kind of black murray in the sense that it's directly his eye which it's amazing isn't it? yeah it, it's a great um set up for how this one's going to look and it adds to the scares as well, which we
0: are in for sure. Yeah. Does it you're
2: in his head?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm notoriously very thick with working out what's going on in movies. Um, the re- correct reading of this is that this um, experimental technology gives him the ability to see like dead people essentially. Is that? Yeah. Am I reading that? Correct. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's good. Because he starts seeing absolutely heinous things. Yeah. At his yeah. H- at his incredible apartment. Yeah. This, that apartment is oh, unbelievable. Absolutely
1: beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that house. If we if we turn the other direction, you see the Hollywood sign. It's right below it. No way. I don't remember how we got that house. I think it might have been another. I mean, certainly it was a rental, but whether it was Airbnb or whatever. Um, but yeah, we just you know just fit everyone in there and. Uh, I forget what our schedules were. I think we were four or five days for each of these. So we just go up there and yeah. do the thing. And uh, the house is beautiful. And again, production design by Tom Hammock. It's like weirdly he's got like, you know so much about this guy's character just by seeing like all the junk everywhere, like yes, computers, yeah. video games. Like he seems smart and maybe that's how he made his money. But he's also just like wants to, have a good time and just like play games, maybe smoke some weed or something, you know? Like, yeah.
0: There's yeah. beer bottles littered around on every single mm-hmm. table in the whole place. There's a yeah. beer bottle here, beer bottle here and different viewing stations for different things as well. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is a great, uh, how, how was the eye effect achieved? You know, the, cause when you look when yeah. you see the eye, you see the shimmering of like the, um it's automation, I guess.
1: Yeah. On a day. So I think there's, so there's the shot at the beginning where he's in the doctor's office and we see his face and then we see it in the, uh, the bathroom mirror a couple of times. Right. So if I remember exactly, I think it had to do with so the camera was rigged to when you don't see Adam on screen, the camera is rigged to our director of photography's body. And when you see Adam, it's rigged to Adam's body. Uh, and of course, it's, it, we, we can see it all on monitors in another room. And so the camera is like, I don't remember, somewhere around the chest area uh, pointed in a direction that's supposed to emulate, you know, eyesight. And ultimately with the eye, it was, you know, we just didn't do anything to the face. I think there was maybe some, some makeup applied. uh, And then we, we did send that off for like traditional VFX and uh, they just, they just replaced the eye. And, you know, I was not i was not privy to those artistic conversations, but it felt like they just did a great job of making it look like something that, like, could be real. Like yeah. you were saying, Black Mirror, like this seems like it could almost exist, right? And yeah. like not going too far with it. But, yeah, that's how that was was achieved.
0: Mm. And good memories on set during this segment?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've worked with Adam and Simon both on a number of things. I've continued to work with Brad on a number of projects. I mean, these are... These are great. These are great folks. As I've already been singing the praises of Tom Hammick. I mean, our ad Andrew Spieler on those segments was uh, delight. Um, a number just a number of people that I've worked with on those segments are folks I've worked with again or stayed in touch with a little bit, which is actually not all that common. A lot of times, you get done with a movie, you never talk to those people again. It's nothing personal. It's just a job. But yeah, the VHS films uh, are are. I think everybody just everybody knows. I came on on the second one, so maybe they didn't know what the first one was going to be. But everyone knows that these are things that horror fans are going to love. We get to have fun making them, and, and we do our best. And there's always stressors. There's always, you know, the stunt that doesn't go well or the location that doesn't work out or whatever it is. But, um, but yeah, we, we do our best to have a good time, so hence why I'm on whatever it is my my fifth one now
0: yeah i love the the sound that this feels a bit like a family do in a way you know a family get together every time you get to make one of these you know it's like a hey you know that kind of thing
1: absolutely absolutely yeah and we just we just bond over it because they are so low budget that stuff will go wrong and there's no fix yeah and the only fix is everybody just like putting it together with duct tape and trying to make it look like we did it (laughs) right Uh, But I have to say, at
0: no point during this movie did I think, did I know... If there is a moment like that, could you signpost it for us?
1: It's so well put together. It is really well put together. You won't...
0: I can't. A magician can't. would never reveal his secrets. I understand. Man. If I I were, understand.
1: if if I were the director on a segment, I'd feel comfortable with that. But I can't. I can't ruin the illusion for someone else's uh, trick. Honestly, he's no. a true industry professional. We, we, this guy. Yeah, we, do, we
2: don't need that, Rob. We don't want to pull the curtain behind.
0: No, you. you're right. You're right. right. So we we after, well, oh, terrible scenes really, um, <laughs> which um, poor old Adam Wingard tries to cut his own eye out um, and um, manages it as well actually. Um the mm-hmm. the whole via, uh, uh, the what I loved about uh, and continue to love about this uh, franchise is the practical effects. The practical effects are always ace and I just do not yeah. know how they are mm-hmm. they are done. But I can only imagine that when you've got you know you see it in the script Terrible, something happens. And then you get to the set, and then you're like, How is this going to go today? You know, it must be so exciting when you know that there's some amazing effect being attempted.
1: Oh, yeah. Because we also know, again, on these short movies, like these short schedules, like if we don't get it right, it's done. Like, then it's just, we just have to think of something new on the fly and do that instead. I could be wrong. So the actual cutting out of the eye, I remember that being a good effect, but most of that is just like a traditional practical makeup effect, Mm. um, if I remember correctly. And um, after that, the camera gets, if I may, the camera gets shoved down his throat. Yep. (laughs) We're we're in spoiler town here, so it's all good. And I'm pretty sure we shoved a camera right into Adam's mouth. I think that's how we did it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what we did. I think it was like a – it must have been a GoPro. We had a GoPro there, and then we're – it was more than just a GoPro on that set, I think. I mean, it's been 10 years, so forgive me. Yeah, but then we just yeah. We, yeah. Oh, we need this to look like it's going into his mouth. We don't have the money to, like, create a 3D model of somebody's mouth. So open up. <laughs> and that's why it works, though, right? Well, it's best well, way yeah. to do it, isn't it? I yeah, the best it. way to I do it is
2: get it, make it as real as Honestly, possible. my word. Yeah.
0: Um, and we go back. To, we cut back to the house after this, and we've got a... Um, you know, we're ramping up of an extra presence in the home, uh, who of course is Kyle played by LC Holt, um, who I think is a great presence in this movie actually from his moments on the, on the video itself, um, cause he's, there's a laptop set out that he's talking into and all that kind of stuff recording like a video diary. Um, and then we go to, um, I think this is the most fun of the segments, you know, like if you were to say, just like, like laugh through it kind of thing, this segment, um, oh, uh, Par- oh, what's it? I should a ride, really in the park. Abor- a ride in the park. Yeah, French ride in the park. Site. Ride in the park yeah. is is a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, this is directed by Eduardo Sanchez and Greg Hale, who were famously involved in Blair Witch. Um, Ooh, the former correct. being co-director yeah, yeah. and Amazing. the latter being producer on it. I think he was. I think that's correct. Yeah. Get get back to the woods for those guys. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> a, this is certainly a more sort of. I, I think it's a less in terms of the scares. It's not as intense as. The I mean, there's of, some um, sick
0: stuff going on, but yeah. Well, I mean,
2: it's very, but it, yeah, it's 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 very much a, a sort of a, a fun ride. This one, yeah. I just love the setup for this for this segment, like because there's the 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 thing with found footage films, and I think is always the sort of first problem to overcome is how do you explain why it's being filmed?
0: Yes, mm-hmm.
2: and then in 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 this, one, you know, the first one you've got always oh, well, just it's it's my eye, it's constantly on, which is you know perfect way to explain that, and then this one is just a a mountain biker putting on his GoPro. um, Yeah. Which is just, Mm -hmm. yeah, really, really simple, but really smart way to be like, well, this is why I'm filming this. This is why this is a fan footage film, because it's on his helmet as he becomes a zombie. (laughs) That's (laughs) the moment. A
0: child's birthday. (laughs) That is the the, the moment when he, you see the, because his hand is still, I'm lying, you know, uh, listeners, I'm sort of like lying prostrate on a table here at this point, but he's, the, his hand is still and then while people are talking around him and you know oh my god he's going to become a zombie <laughs> you know and then seeing it's like seeing through the eyes of a zombie like from a person who was a person going through to that for me that's a moment it's, it's like it's legit genius that in a way mm. I've never seen that before or since that that transitional moment and then you're watching like you can't look away like oh god don't do that and then when he he sees the children's party up on the hill. <laughs> oh, it's just, mar- it's absolutely marvelous.
2: <laughs> just, just so good that the bit where, because he, there's like a guy doing a barbecue, isn't he? And he stabs him in the eye with a, with a fork. Oh, and I then you've it. got the the like the the fork just like hovering at the edge oh, yeah. of frame where it's stuck in
0: his so for the rest sick. of it. It's really, yeah. good. it's really good, really, really good. Uh, how was it when you received the the you know the dailies for this one?
1: Oh, so that's the thing. So for VHS two, like I didn't see the other segments I didn't work on until the theater. Mm. So, oh wow, yeah, it was a, it was a bit surprise, of a. Yeah. I remember, it was also separated. Yes, of so course, there were no dailies. Everything was fully delivered. And then you just ran it through a tape deck um, and I did not do the running it through the tape deck at that point. Um, So, yeah, I saw that and Faith Haven and uh, Slumber Party, whatever it's called. Uh, I saw all that in the theater with an audience for the first time at midnight in L.A. And that was that movie. I mean, that zombie segment, I think you've already said it. It's genius. haven't seen it before. haven't seen it since. Yeah. yeah especially in in such an oversaturated subgenre yeah, yeah um i and i think there was a lot of expectation for you know the people who made blair witch are coming onto this film and yeah. yes i don't think they made the the scariest segment but i think they made a segment that was utterly unique in every way and i truly yeah. enjoy it so i
0: I, yeah. I i'm with you i love it i I find it very hard to separate the segments in this, in terms of which ones I I like the most or anything like that. But like that, um, I think I have like subcategories as well (laughs) for the segments here. But like this is, there is a dark comic enjoyment Watching this unfold, there really, really is, you know, mm. um, and, yeah. and it's like, uh, and the feasting on entrails and all that kind of stuff, and then he gets up and oh, <laughs> like,
1: yeah. it's all so great. I, and I'll never is, forget the the zombie puke, like it's oh, just POV yeah. blood, puke yeah. you, and you're just like, oh, oh, oh it's
0: so man. disgusting. Did you, uh, did you uh, just bring it back to Bigfoot? Um, did you <laughs> did you ever see um, uh, the man who killed? Hitler and then the Bigfoot with uh, Sam uh, I have not no can I well if you like projectile vomit in movies that's yeah. one of the greatest ever <laughs> <puke> scenes. <laughs> great so great yeah. high on the list now <laughs> yeah I can only recommend it highly it is so such a it's good it's actually movie. a good
2: film it it's a, a really good film. film it's very bizarre but it's very yeah.
0: good Fits our remit quite well, doesn't it? Actually, that one it does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it fits your remit. I don't know (laughs) about your 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 specific remit. Uh. (laughs) But when they when they are when they when they find the children, and then we we get to switch. This is what VHS does. VHS movies do so well is we switch the POV with really clever um, and subtle, very subtle at times. uh arrivals of different cameras yeah into the story so they're filming a kid's birthday party and suddenly you know we can see from that perspective as well as these this horde arrives in the lovely cabin that they're all having a nice time in and it, yeah that obviously goes poorly as well some uh, some incredible effects here as well not least at the end when um oh th- th- this was painful as well painful when Uh, the zombie dude gets a call from his wife and he sort of gets like heart again. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and uh, blows his own brains out. And then we see it. (laughs) Very, very up close. What an effect that
1: is. Yeah. Surely that's practical, right? I would assume it's at the very least mostly practical. I I, I don't know how they did it. Um, I could make my assumptions, but uh, I mean, certainly... Again, at the budget level we were at, I think it probably had to be practical. Mm.
0: Mm. Oh, superb. Um, back to the house then. And we're enjoying... Um, well, no, we're not enjoying anything because um, Aisha's got a, a nosebleed and Larry goes says he'll go off and get some more medication, tells her to hold tight and she pops in the next tape, um, which is one of the sickest pieces of cinema I've ever seen in this next section. Safe haven. And... Um, can I just shout out how good, I think, Epi Kuznandar is, who plays father in this. Mm. And he's absolutely brilliant in this. <laughs> he really, really is. Um, but this must have been another fun one in the theatre, Tom.
1: Oh, man. I, so I went with my wife. She's not a big horror buff. She has become one. Uh, but uh, with her and a buddy of mine and this buddy is learning to love horror, has been learning to love horror for many years, but he is a very boisterous viewer. And of course, LA audience, midnight watching this segment and every escalation, you can sort of feel the audience and you can hear groans and moans. Cause it, you know, it a lot of it sort of starts as like, they're saying something that's off, but we're going to, we, you know, I would keep going, you know, let's figure this yeah, out. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. My buddy is next to me. Just every time something goes, it's just like an au- there's an audible like "oh, oh no," and he's <laughs> like doing it in this audience <laughs> of like three hundred, four hundred people. Uh, and then, of course, as everything sort of starts to hit the fan, is just like there were, there were quite loud reactions to many of the things going like on. I can imagine. I- and yeah, <laughs> it's truly a memorable experience. I- Sigh, uh, side, please.
2: <laughs> I was just blown away by this one because not not least because it's in a completely different country. You know, with it being uh, it's Gareth Evans and um, I don't know how you say this this chap's name uh, Timo Chajanto. I'm gonna say. I don't know if I've said that right. Um and you know knowing Gareth Evans from the raid and stuff it's Indonesia um and that's where he sort of plies his trade and it's it's just bunkers um, where it goes um, and where it, and 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 how it builds up and I think this has got to be the longest one I'd, I'd, I'd I assume. think it is I'd, yeah I think it's twenty minutes this it, one I it
1: think. is our longest VHS segment yeah
2: yeah and and uh, it kind of needs that build up doesn't it to be as successful so that sort of gives it sort of license to be to be like the, the the longer one but it all feels a bit computer gamey as well it's it's yeah, mostly first yeah. person and you get those. It's just this escalation of things happening, like a video game would do. You know, if you're like going through the level and things are getting harder and harder, and you know, ultimately the final boss then appears. Um, I think you get it. It's true for all the segments in certainly this VHS film. The choreography and the planning of everything is so well done. Yeah, and it's just really in this one in particular, the way it's they go in and out of this building and all the different mm. rooms and how it's. It's all planned out to perfection, as you would expect from a Gareth Evans sort of bit, because all these films, the choreography is just insane um, and, and such a high level. And it just, it must have just been so satisfying from a filmmaker perspective to see it all be pulled off.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. This this particular segment. I I think um this could be despite my obvious love for the final segment. I think this is my favorite segment, I think, because it's um it's just how far the envelopes get gets pushed before it gets completely ripped up <laughs> and <Yeah>. incinerated <laughs> um, yeah. by what goes on. And um there are so many iconic Shots in this as well. Um, case in point: w- running into the room and finding all the the guys bringing guns up to their head. You know that kind of thing. Like yeah, that is as yeah. messed
1: up a thing I've, I think I've ever seen. Yeah, really. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's true horror. And I would also I would also bring up as we were talking about the choreography, Timo, who directed this with Gareth. He was the stunt coordinator for Gareth's action films in in Indonesia. So like, oh wow, the choreography is like it's the same team. You know, wow. so like, even though it's not martial arts oriented action, I feel like you can see a through line. Yes, and then Timo did direct his own segment in '94 that is is in a way a spiritual successor to this one. Certainly not a sequel because uh, the stories are totally different. But um, again, just taking that kind of idea and uh, yeah. and doing something bonkers with it. But um, yeah, just them as a team together. I think they made something really really special and i think most i think most fans of the franchise agree i
0: think that's right and i love that
2: certainly the impression looking through both audience and craig reviews that this was the sort of high point for a lot of people in this particular one mm-hmm. um yeah. and it's, it's no surprise really because yeah even though it's not fighting it's still really good choreography um, in terms of yeah. moving the camera around and moving the actors around and,
0: and the, the gallons
2: and gallons of blood that is, uh, being thrown
0: around.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and oh, and man, a, man. immense <laughs> physical effects as well, like the throat stuff and the, and the, the later on, the, the let's talk goat man for a moment because <laughs> man, <laughs> what? So you hadn't seen that.
1: You didn't know, but you've seen the script though, right? I hadn't read that script. No. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> so too, I was so much less involved. I was only involved in my segment. Uh, so yeah, I saw that on screen. I thought the, I thought the segment was over. Uh, like I thought our guy got out and he, you know, we were just like about to cut away. And then of course the, the goat man, we got a glimpse of and long yes. shots gets to the car and you're just like, this is, I, I need this to be over. I need this to end. I'm terrified.
0: <laughs> it's just like, this That's is what true. we were just talking about. Wasn't it like, like, as soon as you've been like marmalized by the short itself, then you're going back to the house, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go back there either. Don't <laughs> no send me back there. You know, like it's it's a relentless yeah. <laughs> assault. Um because that's just what we do. Um we go back to the house and uh poor Aisha appears to be perished. Um <laughs> such again, such a ridiculously formal way of putting it. And, um, Larry is, you know, oh dear, he's not happy about that, but he finds it within himself to play one last tape. And this is where my pants are destroyed forever, basically. So, um, my fear of aliens, Tom, comes from, and, and, and I say, I, I direct this at you, Tom, because Cy has been bored by this so many times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am familiar. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with this character backstory. <laughs> um, I watched E.T. at three and just the level of atmosphere in the woods at the start of that movie made mm. me poo <laughs> forever. I can't, I just can't ever look past it to the point now that if I see E.T., like by surprise on an advert or something like that, like over here a few Christmases ago, Sky, the satellite company had, um, E.T. was part of their, you know, adverts like bring a home. What was it like? Bring a friend for Christmas. Like, oh, we oh. You know, oh, for God's sake, you know. Don't, like, I feel it in you my really stomach. really did like a, a number on me. Like, oh, oh. oh, yeah, you know, it's so awful. <laughs> um, just, like, I didn't sleep till I was fifteen after that. Like, and that was when I was three. So, <laughs> twelve years of not sleeping because of that short pudgy. Brown machine. <laughs> so dreadful. Um but um sorry, I, oh, that's a diatribe. I'm so sorry. Um but this this is such a well executed segment.
1: Yeah, it is. Again, concept, conceptually, we talk about the camera placement and why is it there and all that stuff. And it's so genius. It's it's you know, a couple kids playing pranks and but then you know, the whole idea of hooking that camera to the dog, yeah. you just like, Yeah, I I no longer have an issue with uh with whether or not somebody would drop the camera um, because then also you're in this POV. So like when you're in a POV of a human, there's a lot of issue with like voyeurism and that's a lot of what we explore. And that can make the audience feel uncomfortable But with the dog. It's innocent. It's not trying to see anything bad. It's not trying to see anything it's not supposed to see. It's just moving forward. And it's, we, we, it almost make it just makes the segment different. I don't know if it makes it scarier or less scary. I don't know, but like, oh, I think it's it makes scary because it we're no longer voyeurs per se. Yes, we're now just participants in what in what is going on, right?
0: Mm. I absolutely, I think that um, it's it's amazing you say voyeurism because like the uh, the dog is not voyeuristic. It can't be voyeuristic, but right. it's it's put on the <laughs> the dog so that it can go and disturb a kid. <laughs> <laughs> while a young man <laughs> sort of pleasuring himself yeah. and and it's like it's through the innocent eyes Doggy just wants to say hello and it gives the camera an innocence yeah. as well it gives our viewpoint an innocence I, uh, yeah it's a genius t- another totally genius touch and also some of the lines in this segment are you know I nearly said out of this world but that would be a terrible pun but they are so so great some of the lines Um that the kids say to each other <laughs> Uh, that are unrepeatable for me I I couldn't
1: sure sure yeah
2: it's a really good dynamic between the younger brother and the older sister and like their it is the the, the boy's friends and then her elder friends and it is just this back and forth of pranks. It's really funny how the dog gets top billing of uh, of all the cast on this one. Yeah, you
1: know, <laughs> that dog, that's Jason Eisner's segment. That was Jason Eisner's dog. So no you know, way. Was I think it? I think it was not uh, difficult to negotiate the so star uh, rate and top billing. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. How um, how
0: was this one received in theaters? Uh,
1: what well, you know Dude. in the screening? Like, was it? Yeah. Again. VHS 2 is like a – it's it's just uh, everybody seems to – every segment seems to have its defenders. So it's a really beautiful entry in the franchise for that. And yeah. this segment has – it had a huge reaction. People loved it. I love it. Uh, I loved it and love it. Um, and actually this year at uh, – I, I think it was TIFF and then Fantastic Fest because it was playing the same film, the same festivals as VHS 99 – Jason Eisner has come out with a new feature film called Kids Versus Aliens. So I do not believe it's a a true sequel to this. I think it's just taking the conceptual idea Mm -hmm. and he made a narrative feature of kids fighting aliens. And it's just like, he deserves it. Uh, He's very, very nice. He's a consummate filmmaker, consummate professional. And uh, this, I mean, the aliens in here are, it's a perfect execution of not seeing the monster too much, but very much knowing what it looks like.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love this one I, I thought this was really really good I thought it was with the I think the first one was probably the scariest one for me and then this one was like a close second because it's just so visceral and abrasive like whenever you see the light and it, the sound just oh, goes the go, sound it, is amazing it gets all dead peaky mm-hmm. and just sort of breaks yeah. the internal mic on the cameras and stuff and
0: the sound design across the whole movie is amazing yeah I i thought it really was yeah, yeah so in
1: post that is one of the places where we had a number of overlaps and it, it wouldn't have been all the segments but uh owen granite young did much of our sound design he's part of a team so i'm pretty sure there were a few other artists who were working on it but i i know that that he's gone on to some great success and he worked with some of the filmmakers again um and i got to meet him a couple of times while they were you know doing their stuff but um but yeah it's a great uh actually i'm going to confirm that real quick just before i and lying about people who worked on,
0: of course, of course, we we live we live Google. <laughs> we all do the this time, all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there was the the
2: one on this one. Uh, just while you're doing that, Tom, the bit on this one, what freaked me out the most was when the kids, the lads, are first pranking. The, they're on the pier, mm. and then they're in the water yeah. with, the, with the water pistols, and the camera just dips underwater for a brief moment. And you just see the alien swimming, yeah. And it's like, what do like, you? You do. It's like ten frames or something like that. And you just see him. You can almost miss you it. You do.
1: You do. And that was I like, do.
2: I was like,
0: because <laughs> I was already so on edge that I was like, Ugh, uh, uh. yeah. It was what? very, very I... good that bit where you just briefly saw the, the alien. I not think my trousers would survive. <laughs> it's <laughs> a good one. This one. It's a really good one. This one. It, no, it's really great. Good. It's yeah. great because it's it's like. The Home Invasion Alien thing is uh it's like it's such a story and cinema staple in so many ways, isn't it? And there's so many great executions of it, so many great cracks at it. And this is just like a really good balls to the wall version of it that I really, really, really like. Um and this is the reason I picked this movie, essentially, because it's that good. It's that solid. Yeah. You know, as a version of of the home invasion thing. And the fact there's no adults. Yeah. Adds to the fear hugely. It taps into my childhood fear like monstrously. Yeah, yeah.
2: I never thought of that, but yeah. Definitely.
0: And the whole white, the the white shambling and big finger. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> <So you're
1: laughs> Get it down. out!
0: Get it out! Awful. <laughs> um, and then we come back to. Oh, sorry. I really wanted to talk about the the shot at the end. is unbelievable. When uh, the kid gets sucked out of the roof oh, of the yeah. barn and yeah. the dog falls and I just have oh, no God. idea how that's achieved in, in the world. I have,
1: I have no idea either. I mean, obviously the dog is fine. <laughs> that's not at issue. But um, I, I don't know how they got the dog to even just lay there at the, for that final shot. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah? maybe, maybe Jason just trained the dog really well. Maybe the dog's just a great actor. Maybe I'm not giving the dog enough credit. <laughs> But oh, I have no idea how that was how that was achieved. And you know what? I've met Jason a few times. I've never asked because it's one of those things like this illusion worked so well. Yeah. I don't even want to ruin it for myself. You know what yeah, I
0: mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's so cool. Um, and then we go back to the um, the house and we see um, our poor friend Kyle who um, says he's going to make his own tape. And he, I mean, again, another, it must have been a reaction in the cinema to this moment. <laughs> this obs- obsc- obscene moment, where he shoots yeah. himself, and then um, this was the, the, the pure genius of letting the camera roll out until our characters, our, our yeah. investigators, walk in. Yeah, like literally less than a minute after he's done that. Mm-hmm. It's super, it, but it's pure storytelling. It's pure suspense storytelling for me.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know if you realized but in the initial part of this wraparound you can hear the gunshots you can
0: wow i didn't know
1: you do you can because they say to each other that was a gunshot wasn't it
2: oh yes of Mm -hmm. course
1: yeah oh yeah and that was that was i did look it up owen did do was the supervising sound editor on this so we're good you're good Uh, you're good i was gonna say that was you you know oh good (laughs) that was written into the script and our sound team would have added that and, uh, and yeah, it's just like a strange little cyclical story in that way.
2: And uh, the, the beauty, it, it makes films like this rewatchable as well, doesn't it? And that's the beauty of like how they are rewatchable, because mm-hmm. particularly when you get the, the threading element, because that's the one where if you watch it again, you'll start to pick up things you missed first time around. Yeah. And it's certainly the case with the first mm-hmm. one as well. Um, and definitely the case with this one because Ooh, yeah. you always you always get that when it breaks for the for the other segments, and it's just that increase of there is someone else in this house, uh, and then that just builds up and builds and builds up, which eventually comes to this last bit where you're like, oh, he's definitely in the house, then, oh, isn't he? Because dear. we've just seen it.
0: And it's so effective.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, suddenly Aisha wakes up and she's spider walking. You must have been on set that day, Tom. How I went. How,
1: how, 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 how? <laughs> I forget all the logistics of it, but that's a, that was a stunt. Uh, that was our actor, if I remember correctly. And the head was a, you know, I, I would call it a makeup prosthetic. There might be a different term for it. Cause I'm not sure how much makeup was involved versus, you know, just the application of, of it. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, she, uh, I forget exactly how we did it, man. It's 10 years ago, but um. But she's just, you know, walking backwards with her, with a backwards. She head did on it herself. I'm pretty sure that's her. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What a legend? We had, we had
1: a stunt coordinator on set, so uh, you know, if they hear this and, and they say, Tom, you're remembering incorrectly. Please correct <laughs> me. But I'm I'm pretty sure that's her. <laughs> that is amazing.
0: Wow. That's so great. Um, Kelsey Abbott. Huge props <laughs> to you um and and yeah uh Larry goes upstairs uh, trying to get away from spider his, his you know spider investigator and um ends up in the closet where um poor old Kyle has ended up uh, and his he's in a, a bad way and he kills uh, <laughs> kills Larry and then gives the camera a thumbs up. It's one of the great yep. ever endings. It's great. <laughs> it's yeah. so great, and that, like, surely that—that's like the biggest nod to the audience I think I've ever seen
1: <laughs> to a
0: loving audience. That's, so so aware. Uh, I'm sure,
1: I'm sure that was the intention. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of trivia for that. Okay, uh, for that setup, at least, uh, I'm sure you're familiar that most of the time when we can at least when you're lighting a scene, the actors are not the ones standing there uh, on a bigger set. You'll have stand-ins where that is their job uh but for for this segment, uh you know uh was it Kyle is it Kyle's his name l c's yeah. character right? l c yeah, um, we had to light that that's that was Simon Barrett's closet in his home, and so I just <laughs> sat there for you know twenty thirty minutes while they we're lighting it and i had to keep like pretending to jump at the camera <laughs> you're kidding, and, that, was uh, the- <laughs> that was me was, and then and then obviously i i left and, and we placed the actor once everything
0: man you're an but, absolute uh, superhero mm-hmm. it's so cool so um and so
1: that's, that's the job that's what you yeah, do that's
0: the gig man Oh and and credits roll and end movie um i'll start with you si what is your favorite bit of vhs2
2: yeah i'm not sure i'd say it's my like my favorite bit per se because considering it made me completely shit my pants. (laughs) But um, there's a moment in the phase one clinical trials where it's when Herman first starts seeing, experience all the weirdness. They call them glitches in the, in the the doctor calls them yeah. glitches. Ugh, and uh, it's when he sees the, the figure under the sheet for the first time and then he pulls it away and there's nothing there. It's a lovely clean bed, which again, got great effect to, to do that.
0: Yeah, um, super. He
2: just, and I think this is why it's so scary with the first person directly in his eyeball, why scary it is. Because you you lose the, the sort of sense of, the space because you're so tunnel vision with just what he's looking at, and then he turns to the left and there's just the ghost zombie right there in front of his head. And oh, I, me and me and my, I had um, I was watching it with my wife, and we both had a glass of Negroni. They they were not in the glass after that. Uh, after that happened. We, <laughs> we both <laughs> just went, and then the Negroni <laughs> everywhere. Um, that was just terrifying. So yeah, that bit was was really really bloody scary. Um and and then I, I just a bit in safe haven where the leader guy just explodes. <laughs> it's just just like whoa <laughs> what is that? That was Holy good, sheesh.
0: Yeah. Very, very I good I hear you. I hear you. Cool. Uh Tom, do you have a favorite bit looking looking back at the movie? Do you have
1: a favorite bit of VHS2? A favorite moment? I mean, I'm I'm sure I do. I'm probably wading into dangerous territory, but um one thing I do love, we've already brought it up, is the reveal of that first alien underwater in Eisner's segment. Uh, I think it's a really beautiful shot. I think that it goes by so quickly that you do question whether or not it was there, uh, even though you know you're watching a I totally film. missed it. Yeah, you got to rewatch it, man. you got to rewatch Twice it. Twice now. Uh, no, how many times have I seen this? And I've missed that. So yeah, that's definitely one of my, one of my favorite moments. Um, and then, yeah, I actually really love, I think it's a beautiful shot in phase one, when we look through the peephole, uh, when, Mm. when our, when the the woman is up there, uh, trying to get into the house to tell them what's going on that shot, it was practical. And then it wasn't, uh, it's basically a combination of elements because, you know, we're shooting on a camera. We had to get to the peephole and then we had to get like, I think we got like a special lens to emulate a peephole and they combine those. So seamlessly also while the sun was setting behind her and everything. And I just think it's a, it's one of those things that looked quite simple, but was actually quite complex yeah. and is, to my mind, great filmmaking. Now, I'm not sure that, that's, that the complexity of that comes across the audience. It probably shouldn't. I, in fact, I know it shouldn't. But uh, to me, every time I see that, I'm like, man. We pulled that off. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: Did look great. That Yeah. Really. It, that was movie. magic. Yeah. That movie magic, like literal movie magic. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. What about yours, Rob? Apart from the aliens, obviously. <laughs> well, I, I really <laughs> love the reveal of the aliens in the sort of like the port, the, the, the bay windows of the house, you know, like, sorry, the glass windows of the house, like the very first time that you see them properly, just in like a, a, a snapshot. I love that. Um, but I'm not going to go with that. Um, there's so much in um safe haven I love as well <laughs> but um but I've talked about that you know the moment with the the guns everyone lining up to shoot themselves and all that kind of stuff so i'm gonna go with um it's in uh the zombie ride in the park um the moment when we've gone we've watched the whole thing through our zombie friend's GoPro on his helmet. And then we cut to a family birthday. And then it's like, in my head, I'm like, oh, hell no. We're not. We're not. We are. And then we cut back to zombie zombie cam. And then it's, oh, we really are, aren't we? (laughs) And And then everything. And it's just that. It's like the ant he just got. It's like every time it's like, oh, you think we're done? No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, it's super, it's super. And now hearing about, um, you know, the pressure that, um, Sanchez and Greg Hale, uh, were under, that, yeah, it, 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 oh, I just like they're legit brilliant. Like, it's brilliant, yeah, it, it's just super filmmaking. Yeah. Um, we have this bit now, Tom, where we, we do, um, for your reconsideration it's where we urge our listeners if we like a movie to reconsider it or not um it's probably not fair considering that you actually worked on the movie to ask that of you because I would imagine it's a given but si would you suggest that our listeners uh reconsider v h s 2
2: um yeah absolutely i I think one of the best thing about um one of the best things about anthology films like like the VHS series, it doesn't all have to work to your specific taste to be successful because it's more of a sort of short film showcase that goes all over the place and goes to different, you know, in in horror, particularly, you know, different parts of the genre and different ways to, you know, make those films. Um, And with the lo-fi nature of how each segment is filmed and there's some really, really impressive stuff going on with like makeup and prosthetics and lighting and then really overlooked aspects as well, like the choreography, as we mentioned, and the production design and the sound design, it just really raises the impact and effect effectiveness of each segment, like to an incredible degree. And I think sometimes that's kind of not appreciated when sort of people are viewing these films through a critical Mm. lens while there may be elements of like the story and narrative across each segment that might not float, float your boat there's always that impressive inventiveness on the filmmaking side that makes a film like VHS and VHS 2 and and found footage horror films in general, to be honest, just really worthwhile to watch. Um, so yeah, if you like, def- definitely watch this if you like horror films and you like to be scared, but then also if you like to be impressed by often ingenious, independent filmmaking, with a low budget, and what can be achieved, mm. watch these movies, because you're going to learn so much by just watching yeah, absolutely. these films, I think. absolutely. So, yeah, definitely.
0: I would totally agree with that. Um, obviously, it's my pick, so, um, yeah, I was always going to be saying, <laughs> reconsider this movie. I will champion this movie and the series, like, till the cows come home. Because sometimes, at night, you just don't know what to watch, do you? You know, like, because we have so much choice. And this gives you so much bang for your buck, in terms of variety and themes and different kinds of horror different kinds of story different settings that you can't help but you know be feel you know for me feel fulfilled and excited and happy by the end of watching these movies i love them to bits it's a love letter i feel to the genre that um it, it hails from um but it's also it loves its audience And that is one of the things that i love so much i think sometimes so much stuff comes out that takes its audience for granted and i don't think the vhs movies do that at all i think the vhs movies are there for the audience first and foremost more than anything else and the fact that the the as of just as we've just learned from tom today that these guys these filmmakers they absolutely love what they do they love making these movies and that shines for me absolutely shines um I would urge that you have a, a fresh pack of um, five boxes off Amazon or something like that if you're <laughs> going to be watching this. Um, but there's so much invention, so much to enjoy. Just crack on and, and fill your boots because that's what will happen once you start watching. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the rest of them. I'm- I know, I'm I know. Uh, how how You were recently at a festival, weren't you, Tom, um,
1: for uh, VHS 99. How how'd it go? Uh, it went really, really well. i was at I went to two festivals to see it. I went to Fantastic Fest in Austin and the Beyond Fest here in l a. And um, the Fantastic Fest crowd is quite famous for being very boisterous. It's a horror festival, a genre festival. So we had a great time there uh, and and everybody was was really into it. But I will say Beyond Fest, uh, that's the genre fest in l a. It's not just horror, but all kinds of this weird stuff those crowds are sort of they're one of a kind and man oh man were they going nuts for it oh yes yeah i oversaw the like, like i said supervising the film uh in the editorial capacity but i i cut suicide bid and ozzy's dungeon and if you guys have seen it or not uh, i won't spoil anything but both of those got uh got some quite verbal reactions from the audience <laughs> in ways that <laughs> made my little heart pitter patter a little faster so, so it's really rewarding because these are indie movies uh that you know we we get paid with professionals for sure but they're not uh you know these are not the movies that that you're going in to make uh to to get yourself rich anytime quickly um so to see and hear an audience go crazy for it is probably i guess like the biggest reward my wife is with me at both screenings and she's oh, so cool very proud so you know that's it's pretty cool right yeah. and then my directors are there yeah. we're giving each other hugs because you never know you think it's going to work. You send it to a few friends to see if it works. They tell you it works, but are they lying? Yeah, to you you yeah, don't know. Of and then you're just, you're just there in front of people that have no investment in you as a person or your character. And, uh, they're either going to hate you or love you. And they, they seem the audience seem to really respond incredibly well oh, to, it's amazing, to, to not just those two segments, but those are the ones I was very much paying attention to, but certainly to the entire film. Amazing. So, oh,
0: well, huge congratulations, mate. Um, thank you. From, from us all. Thank you so much for coming and joining us tonight. It's been absolutely brilliant to hang out with you. Inspiring as well.
2: So it's so inspiring. Really
0: inspiring. You're doing like, you you're doing the thing that you know so many want to do mate um and uh, can't admire enough but the journey as well and the manner in which you're going about your journey um just you've got big supporters here like huge supporters here thank you no thank you for everything um and we can so where can we watch i wanted to shout out to the listeners where can we watch some of your shorts youtube uh
1: there's some on youtube there's some on vimeo i put them everywhere but tomnewall.com yeah has a bunch of them excellent com. there's a little tab there for what i've directed as well as just like links to the other stuff i've worked on so that's probably the best place to to check those out and um yeah this was really fun if you guys ever revisit first off any other jean claude movies i've listened to both your time cop <laughs> and sudden death oh, thanks. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you do that or you do some timothy dalton anything but uh specifically those Bond movies you know you just give me a call I'd love to come back hey thanks so oh, much Ta- yeah, thank you right. thank you for
0: everything mate and and if you'd like to catch up with Tom on Twitter um, if it's cool to give a shout out Tom it's T underscore yeah. Tom uh, H-O-M uh, Robert is Robert the middle name
1: is my middle
0: name yeah yeah and, uh, as a Robert myself I'm obviously for this <laughs> I
1: just you know what actually I just tagged my Twitter handle after you did you, you know? no you didn't no you didn't <laughs> <laughs> so gullible I was like did you <laughs>
0: um, um, thanks so much, Tom. Uh, si, always good to see you, man. And everyone, go check out VHS immediately. Um, please chat with us on Twitter at uh, FYR Film Pod and give us five stars on your subscription service of choice. And we'll catch you next time for what will be James's pick. I'll leave that until next we meet. Take care, boys.